we would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waters where we're recording from, the Waramai and Wanarua peoples. We acknowledge the Waramai and Wanarua elders, both past and present. It is it. Jesus Christ, we should really do it. We should really compared, compared to this time last year, we're fucking lamenting the worst season in history. <laughs> on the field for the Newcastle Knights. Darren Tracy's first touch of the footy. Now Andrew John. Fights a little hole himself. He's close. Right. He reaches out. That's a tie to Andrew John. Three straight from the little halfback. And that's a good reward for a great game. It is debut match for the Newcastle Knights in first grade. Andrew John scores the try and that should wrap it up for the night. Still coming to you live from Warramai and Wanneroo Lands. This is the Bay 53 podcast. Grand final special part two. Brought to you by your good friends, Bredo and the K-Dog. Hey, Bredo, um, no need for more intros. As we said, we, we, we covered off on the Daly M's. It's time to get stuck into the grand finals. My friend, just when you say it, because today I've only said it, you know, longingly or imaginarily or, you know, fiction, but um, the Newcastle Knights are back-to-back premiers. It, it feels back good. Back-to-back. Back-to-back. Minor and major premiers this year. And I'll, I'll get this out of the way earlier, early, because, you know, I want to get the bad stuff out of the way, is that it's not even just that we're back-to-back premiers, it's that the only time we've used the term back-to-back is wooden spoon. <laughs> and and three-peat. We, That's we right. Get, yeah, we need to get that three-peat to wipe that out as well. Actually, I mean, next year's going to be interesting. We're going for the three-peat and the girls, and we're begging for a Tigers three-peat in spoons. Oh, it's, you know... So it's, it's going to be a wild ride next year. When, when the Knights uh, win the, the NRLW three-peat and the Tigers bottom out in their spoon three-peat and the men are the ones to knock the Panthers off um, their oh. pedestal, uh. it's, 2024 is going to be the year that we all longed for at the at the absolute um, bottom, rock bottom that was 2016. I think we're going to be entirely deserving of it. Shut shut the hunter down for all of October. <laughs> let's, just, let's just put up the fence, put up the closer business sign, and cut sick for an entire month. <laughs> uh, the out of office email will read. Uh, I will not be checking my emails at all. Hey mate, <laughs> it was hot as uh, all get out on Sunday in in Sydney. I still maintain. Uh, you know, if not for the huge financial and commercial uh, pressures associated, I, I just do not think for a second that um, athletes should have been playing of all sports rugby league on Sunday, but play they did. Uh, hey, just very quickly, did you get a chance to watch any of the Souths v the, um, uh, uh, the East's Tigers game? I, I, I thought it was a really good game. I thought ultimately, uh, unfortunately, that extra element of uh, semi-professionalism from South sort of ran over the top of the Tigers, you know, again, given the conditions. But, I, yeah, I thought it was a perfectly enjoyable, pleasant game. Yeah, and, and since the uh, New South Wales teams have started to realise how seriously the Queensland Cup teams take it, yeah, <laughs> it, it's been a one-sided. Because the Queensland Cup grand finals two weeks ago, so they get a two-week break, you know, to celebrate and then train again for this. So they really want to win. You know, and that's why they jumped us the first few years because we just, you know, the New South Wales teams would turn up half half pissed. We certainly did in 2015 when the Jets rolled us. Now, those boys were not ready to play football that day. And so, um, 
yeah. So can I ask you then, so so you're saying that South then wouldn't have had their Mad Monday last week? They would no, have I, I think I think they probably had a, like a Mad Monday, like Sunday night Monday, and that's yep. it, you know. Come Tuesday, let's sober up and get back into it. Because you don't, obviously, you don't, you know, you, fit, you don't need fitness or anything, but mm. it's just straight back into your ball work, you know, in your gym work, ready to go again, your body's ready, as opposed to the normal grand final celebration of, you know, four or five days where you, you haven't slept then yeah. <laughs> as um, as our girls and the Penrith Panthers boys are probably no yeah. doubt going through at the moment. Um, it, it was a weird, it was just, can I tell you something, mate? I haven't been to a grand final since the 2001 um, grand final. And it's easy to say oh, I'd forgotten how good it was. Well, a couple of things there. In 2001, it wasn't this good. Because all you had was the NRL kickoff. It was eight. It was eight o'clock, and we'd travelled to and from Newcastle on the on the day, and so the day felt like a bit of a blur. Obviously, with the win as well, you were just like, well, "What's what's going on here?" But can I say the? I don't ever want to hear again this this rubbish that keeps to be being perpetuated. Our AFL Grand Final just does that game day experience better. No, no, no they no, don't. No. no. The NRL Grand Final game day experience now is second to none. Yeah, 100%. It is outstanding. And I know yep. that everyone loves to shit on Olympic Park going, well, it's out in the middle of fucking nowhere and there's nothing to do out there. Ba-bong. Those people haven't been there for a while, obviously, because there's plenty to do there now. There's plenty yeah. of bars and stuff there now. Yeah. So yeah, we... Haven't been there. Me and my uh, me and my cousin, we got there, I think, at about 11 o'clock. And because of the heat already, we went straight to the uh, locker room pub. And there of was course, a... the heat, obviously. It was cold. You wouldn't go to the pub. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Granted. And so <laughs> there was already a great – yeah. <laughs> it was already a great atmosphere there. And, you know, people always talk about, you know, Magic Round as if it, Magic Round seems to have this um, monopoly on um, – uh, football fe- festival atmosphere again no that is not the, the grand final uh, game day experience um rivals that you know there were there were people yeah. from different sort of uh, fan bases you obviously had some of the people from um uh, storm and uh, warriors fans who had, you know bought their tickets and thought well fuck it we're still going anyway um you know you had obviously you had your south fans there you know not just for the fact that they always show up anyway but they had their ga- there was this just this wide range of different fans who were uh, all over the place and it was a really good sort of uh party vibe atmosphere to sort of kick the day off and um yeah everyone outside was in a really great mood and just wandering around and having a couple of beers and it was uh it was a really just good fun atmosphere to be a part of you know you're right it absolutely is like there's no doubt about that like and i think that yeah people that have the old olympic park's got nothing i don't think they've been there in 10 15 years mm. You know, since it stopped being Olympic Park, you know, went back to being, you know, basically a football sta- couple of football stadiums. Um, yeah, there's a lot, there's lots to do there now. It's an, an entire suburb's been built around it. So we sort of had a couple of bevies there. I uh, ran into Jason Demetrio, embarrassed the crap out of him by saying, "Hey, Jason, have a good day." And did you call uh, him a fraud did... for me? Did you, call, did you say, "My brother, get you a fraud"? So it's really funny you should say that. So I, I just finished a conversation with my cousin and a mate of mine who's a Broncos fan by saying, "How funny are the uh, South this year? Um, you can tell all the problems that they're having because um, they're poorly coached and the wheels are falling off." And he literally came walking over towards <laughs> us as I'd finished that sentence. Jason, how are you? going mate have a good day anyway he walks off and i just looked at my cousin and i said 
I am without shame. And he said, you literally <laughs> just finished, sh- like, slagging him off. I said, yeah, I know. Classic um, K-Dog. Classic K-Dog. <laughs> so, you know, you're running into a variety of different people. Anyway, we were keen to watch all three games get our money's worth, and we were on the middle deck on the eastern um, eastern side, which we were concerned about because we thought we were going to cook in that heat. Um, as it turns out, we didn't. A combination of good situational awareness and cloud cover ultimately saved us. But it was hot. It was hot as all blazes, man. Like it was stifling, stiflingly, suffocatingly hot. And I still, to this, uh, you know, two days later, still don't know how anybody was playing rugby league in um, those conditions. You are listening to the Bay 53 podcast. Going into the NRLW decider, we weren't so much confident as we were comfortable with the knowledge that this team could get the job done. But I've got to be honest with you, mate, when I experienced that heat and just looking at the way that we'd faded against the Broncos, I was I was nervous. I was real nervous before kickoff because I just was worried that Queensland team that's used to heat coming down here and blasting off the, off the park, I just it was it was just unknown to me. I did not know how they were going to respond. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, I did take solace in the fact that we have quite a few girls from Western Sydney in our team, so they're mm-hmm. used to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the, it's, it's not the same heat as the Gold Coast, and you know, the Gold Coast is obviously you know a lot more humid, so the, the dry heat can affect Queenslanders, you know, that we're used to. So I I did take some solace in that, but I agree, and, and it's. It was more the way the Titans play, you know. They're they're a gritty, grinding team. Mm. And I thought, you know, in those conditions, it would be a slog fest. Turned out it wasn't. It was a really open, great game of football. Um, but yeah, if you said to me, you know, that one team would lead, but at the end of both halves, the other team would score enough tries to win, I go, oh, "Fuck, we've lost." Um. So can I say from the get-go, I thought not only was the women's, both grand finals, I thought were two of the, just the best, not grand finals, but best games of rugby league that I think I've watched with my own eyes. Fast, open football, like amazingly fast football in both games. The the women's game kicked off with, um, uh, I mean, great atmosphere for starters. Can, Can I say as well, I was amazed at the crowd, not because... Um, I was just, no, I was genuinely amazed that there were that many people watching because I thought everybody would just be soaking up as much air conditioning as they could, waiting for the game. Let's be honest that the majority of the fans were there to watch the men's game. So I was actually quite heartened to see how many people had dragged themselves out of the freezer to, you know, step into the furnace and uh, and actually uh, enjoy the, the women's game. And I think that's a testament to the game day experience of grand final day. Oh, yeah. That, you know, you know, and I, and I think, you know, Penrith fans, and obviously most of those probably have been there before, so they realise the whole day's great. Uh, Broncos fans are down, you know, they're going to go and enjoy their entire day. You know, they're, they're down they're down for the for the day, the weekend, whatever. And plus, you get a lot of people that that's, that's their weekend away for the year, you know. That, that's their magic round. That's where they, you know, they can't afford to go to Brisbane for three days, but they, you know, they can go to a grand final day, so they want to go and see as much football as possible. You know, that's, mm. that's a credit to the NRL and to the mm. NRLW package that those people just want to see football. So uh, when the women's game kicked off, I thought the opening couple minutes were, you know, just good, good little bit of back and forth. I need to be careful because I don't want to venture into that. We can ref bash because we won the game. But 
that first penalty for uh, ruck infringement by Belinda Sharp, I was if I was nervous before kickoff, I was petrified by this stage because not because I thought, oh, well, the ref's going to cost us, but I was like, given the heat, given the way the Titans play, we cannot, I repeat, cannot be just willy-nilly giving them any movement up the field. And if we're going to be refereed in a manner where any, you know, on a hot day where we're already going to be exhausted, if we're going to be punished because for not getting out of the rut quickly enough, oh, yeah, it, 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 well, I was really starting to get quite panicky that, um, that it just wasn't going to be our afternoon because I just started to feel that there was a lot, there were a few conditions that were starting to go out against us. Um, and, you know, as those first 10 minutes sort of showed, Titans had all the ball, all the territory. It wasn't going back the other way, you know. They they were holding us down and getting away with it, and we were, we were getting pinned. And that's football. That You know, that happens. I'm sure there's been games where we've had advantage of that. Like, that's football. But you're right. It was In that heat, you know, on, on that occasion, the way that first 10 minutes went of them just kept it in our half and us, you know, slogging away, yeah, I was, I was nervous. So, you know, we, we, we made a couple of errors as well. Um, can I tell you something, mate? Ja- Jamie Chapman, I'm going to add her to the list of players I didn't realise how good they were. Um, she she obviously wins the player of the match if the Titans win on uh, Sunday because I, I thought she had just an outstanding game, took her opportunities. She was damaging. She got she get got a grand final hat-trick. Um, phenomenal game from her. Yeah, she was like Ezra and the men. You know, they had the, they had the middle with a name on it, you know, halfway through the second half. <laughs> um, no, she was outstanding. And Jamie Chapman is an outstanding player. Injuries have held her back. She's had, she's had quite a few niggles over the years, and that's her oh, back. Okay. You know, she was, a, she was a winger initially at St. George, and she's a winger for the Origin team. But, um, yeah, and, and, you know, you've seen she wears the, the hamstring guard a lot um, still. Yeah, she had a lot of injuries, but she's an incredible athlete. And when she strides out those long legs, mate, oh, she, she takes some sopping. Yeah, so um, I'm, look, I'm not gonna. I'm remember how I said to you after the Storm game. Now that that played out exactly as I thought we would. I thought they'd dominate for ten, the first ten fifteen. You know, I I, I just hoped we could withstand the damage enough and um, you know roll back over the top of them. I, I'll be honest with you, the first ten fifteen minutes of this grand final, I, I did not see it panning out that way, or at least I hoped it wouldn't pan out that way. When the Titans did score. I was sort of clutching for, well, the Eels scored first last year and it wasn't that big a deal. Like, you know, we overcame that. That's that's the stage I'd sort of gotten to after the build-up, after the opening of the game. And um, But one thing that did hearten me, and I, and I did say this to, 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 to you and the lads where I sort of, sort of said, I said, look, they've had all the possession. You know, in 15 minutes, they should have more than one try. They've only got the one try we will get our opportunity and it will just yeah, be a that, matter of how yeah. we take it. That was absolutely my way of thinking. At 8-0, with all the ball they had in, in sort of 20 minutes kept in our half, I was comfortable at that point. At that point, I got comfortable. I'm like, beautiful, we've soaked this up. If we've still got some petrol, we will take advantage when we get a chance. And that's exactly how it paid out. Um the way that we sort of um, – it, it took us a while to finally get on the board, but the important part was is that once we sort of got on the board through Jasmine Strange – can I talk to you about Jasmine as well for a couple of reasons? One is that she's had an inconsistent season, and you and I – like, you and I have sort of um, discussed this in private in terms of our wingers. 
as much as we love Jazz and Sheridan, you know, for what they bring to the team, and you know, they've got that that energy about them. They've got that great personality, and you know, obviously Sheridan with the with the soccer background. In private, we've we you in particular have probably been very critical of them in terms of. But if you take that story away from them and look at what it is that they actually provide to the team. You know, there are defensive uh, deficiencies there that really can cost the team. And in attack, they possibly aren't as clinical as they could be. Um, Jazz ends up scoring our opening try off phenomenal play and vision from um, from uh, Tamika Upton. But I still felt as well that there was an awkwardness in, in Jasmine's sort of catch and put down. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. she does she's, it in a manner. She's like, don't fuck I, it up. I've, I've said to you many times, she's grown up in a rugby league family and she's been taught how to play rugby league rather than she's got, you know, natural rugby league skills, if that makes mm. sense. Mm. She, you know, she, she, even the way she catches bombs, you know, it's it's the way you teach a six-year-old in terms of, you know, your arms are out, your head up high. That's how you teach kids. Mm. One, you know, people that are skilled just catch it in their hands, you know. But Jasmine, to her credit, she is technically technically smart. You know, she mm. knows exactly what she has to do in terms of catching and passing. But it does, yeah, it does not seem natural to her. But she gets every ounce of ability out of her that she's got, and you've got to give credit for that. So it's somewhat ironic in a lot of ways um, that she and Sheridan were the ones who got our opening tries. And again, off the back of these flowing sort of uh, backline movements, to make her on one side, Jesse on the other. But it was it was yeah it was slightly poetic that these two um, players yeah. who you know you and I in, in back and like well are they going to cost us a premiership well no in fact not only did they not um, I thought they both had incredibly solid um, games on uh, on Sunday like their their net um, output was very much in the positive I, I can't yeah, think of no too doubt. much that they did where where Jazz, they were had issued. one drop bomb in the second half there and um, even yeah, and nothing. even that one like that was in a lot of ways that yeah. was just unfortunately, like great yeah, pressure. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, so we, it was great we, pressure seen, to the we, Titans. We've seen the men drop them a million times. Like, you know, yeah. that was just a good kick. No, you know, no, no knock on Jazzy. But my issue with Sheridan is not – Sheridan, my issue with it is just inexperience. Yeah. I was, yeah, I, was, yeah. I, was, I was worried when you get to the back end of the season, under the pressure, the great players stepping up, could they just exploit their inexperience? Yep. And they did it. They, you know, they, the Broncos did a little bit. The Tigers did a little bit. I credit to Sheridan, she never makes the same mistake twice. So if she gets caught out in defence, that won't happen to her again in the rest of the game. She will learn from that immediately, which is amazing, which is why she's gone from, you know, an Australian soccer player to, you know, a premiership rugby league player in 12 months. She's just got this ability to learn on every single play. And the one thing that I really had concerns about with with Sheridan was... um, the, the sweeping movement. So Avani Polite, they they do the the men's style block play. Avani Polite round the back. Her running style very strong, very good hands. Would share again get caught out, and I think she did once, and um we, we recovered and, and covered behind her. But other than that, she she covered that block play really really well. You know the game I think of when you say because I'm I'm sort of going to sound like I'm standing on your point, unfortunately a little bit here. But the game I actually think of when it comes to Sheridan's ability to correct her issues was Raiders. The, yeah, because yeah. she actually does make the same mistake twice. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, and, what, and, and, and she, to me that and the, to me that was she she just had a day that day where the confidence was on the floor. 
Well, what, but what I was going to say was that she's obviously shown the capacity that she's a coachable athlete. Yeah. yeah. Because whatever's happened at halftime or subsequent to that, they've been able to, we haven't seen her even come close to doing anything like that again. And yeah. so, you know, that game, in-game awareness, which, yeah. you know, we'd be very thankful for later on in the game, but, you know, left to her own devices and in the game, you know, she made these two critical errors that we've seen, you know, we've seen grown men who have been playing this game their whole life and there are mistakes they make that you can't coach out of them. And oh, she had this yeah, horror Greg, Greg Margie. Greg Margie yes. can make the same mistake four times. <laughs> And the, I will say about the Raiders game, but so all she, I think she did the same thing two or three times, but all the first half. So at half time, she'd clearly been coached by Ron or whoever yes. controls that and didn't do it again in the second half. And she's That's amazing. So, yeah. That's and amazing. So, you know, Sheridan and Jasmine ultimately um, managed to be, well, they're premiership winning um, rugby league wingers now. You know, that's something you can never take away from them. They scored their two tries. So we finished the half much, much stronger than the Titans. And I think we played that way. I, th I absolutely think that was the part of the game plan. Um, you know, they shared a stat on the um, NRLW socials today where the top four meter um, ga meters gained were by Titans players. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, distance, distance covered was by yeah. Titans players. And uh, it was Georgia Roach who was the only knight in at fifth place. And we were sort of discussing, it was like, well, that you know, the fact that we won, you could make the argument that that was almost part of the plan. It was that, look, the conditions are going to be hot. You know, we're, we're not built to win a slugfest with these people in those conditions. Give them the yardage, hold your line, and just make sure when it comes to our try line, because, you know, don't you just don't let them sort of through. And both halves ended up playing out that way where, you know, Titans threw every we rope a dope them. You it's as you said, we Titans threw everything they had at us to for to little limited damage to give us then the opportunity to run over the top of them when they were tired. Yeah, and as we said in part one talking about Tamika's form for the Dally M, I think that's how the whole team plays. We just slog it out for most of the game and know that when our moments come, we're clinical. And this team, that's exactly how we play. The, the word is clinical. We just, you know, we, we make silly mistakes. and they, Well, that's not clinical. But it is in the way we play. Because the moment you drop your guard for a second and give us a chance, we won't score once. We won't score twice. We'll score three or four times. Mm. And that's how this team plays. And, and Ron talked about in the in the presser. You know, it's back, in, it's back loading that energy into defence. We're not concerned about running down the field. We're happy with Jesse and George's kicking game to get to get the opposition in their half. You know, we're happy that we'll take advantage when we get a bit of space out and get some field, some field position. We just need to hold tight in the middle, and that's exactly how this team plays. And that's exactly what we did for twenty five minutes. Of that first half was they kept slogging us in the face, and we kept smiling back at them. Yeah. Um, it's testament to the character of this team to not only play the way they do, but stick with that game plan to get the results. Because, you know, the way the Titans were sort of playing, particularly after those first 15, 20 minutes, you know, however, you and I have played sport, you know, some a little bit more, one of us a little bit more than the other. But one thing you can always say about the, the, the best the best laid plans are only as good as when you execute them at the day. And it, I just think in that heat, in those conditions, I think it actually took a lot of discipline for the girls to stick with it. That's confidence and, in the coach. Yes, yeah, 
and, 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 and to me, this is what makes Craig Bellamy great. Because no matter what happens in the Melbourne Storm, they trust him so much that they're like, no, Craig said if we do this for 80 minutes, we will win the game. And that's exactly what our girls did. They went, no. Ron told us if we do this for 70 minutes, they will break eventually. And that's exactly what we did. And that's pure confidence in your coach and in the way you've learned to play for the entire season. Uh, Shanice Parker scores a third try. Um, the conditions were not conducive to good goal kicking on Sunday. Jesse finished with um, two out of, I think, four attempts. Yeah, because two, Sher- four. Sheridan had one, yeah. Yeah, because Sheridan has has an attempt as well, and even she couldn't sort of get it happening. Hey, very quickly, though, um, at the ground, I, for all money, thought that um, uh, the final pass, to, that Shanice's pass to Sheridan was forward. But I've got to be honest with you, when you look at some of the replays now, yeah, the television no, angle is back. actually... Yeah, yeah, absolutely does go back. She actually throws it over her shoulder, but it's the old momentum one where she's running so fast forward that throwing it backwards, because she she throws it gently, it's sort of a lob pass, Mm. and because there's no force going backwards, it just sort of floats forward, but in rugby league, that's that's a backwards pass because it's backwards out of your hand. And because, but obviously the other thing is that once, because she, I think she stops, she gets held up in the yeah, tackle. Yeah, that's why she's yeah, sort of throwing yeah. it. Charity catches it in, Charity catches it on the other side of the defender. Yeah. Which makes it yeah, look yeah. forward. Yeah. Um, but the thing was, we weren't converting our tries. And there were a couple of things that were playing, that were playing in my mind at 12, eight up at half time was like, well, we should be 18 to up, 18 to eight up. Not because we shouldn't be landing our kicks, but uh, sorry, not because I'm like, well, why are we missing these kicks? But more so because I was like, I remember against the Broncos last week <laughs> that we won on conversions that we made that they didn't make. And I didn't want to be in that position again where we were like the men in the first half of the season. It's like, oh, if only we'd made one of those extra kicks. So unfortunately, the position of where we were scoring the tries and the inability to uh, convert them meant that ideally we would have killed off the game at halftime. Yeah, can but, I just say one thing, but I yeah. I'm yeah, I wanted to see him yeah, yeah, the bigger the lead, the better, obviously. But I like us being, you know, just a try in front. Backs to the wall. Because I, 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 I think when we shut up shop, we're not as good. Yeah. No, that's, when, a, that's when a really we need fair to chase, point. When we need to chase points is when we're at our best. Well, that's ultimately what ends up happening in the second half because that became a recurring theme on Sunday where minor premiers going for their double had to come from behind in the second half to seal the deal. Um the first Jamie Chapman try I could live with, the third one really pissed me off. I was really just so disappointed. In hey, you didn't have to listen to Tasha Gow, buddy, celebrate like she'd won the Olympics. <laughs> hey, do we want to get the Tasha... Do we want to get the Tasha Gale sam Brebner commentary out of the way? Just oh, let, let's go. Can I, can I wind me up? Let me go, buddy. Um, Bretto, Bretto, take the microphone. My God. So you're sitting through the pressure of a grand final... And it's not enough that they all pick the Titans, fine, whatever, who cares? Literally every single play, every single play for 70 minutes was what the Titans done right, what the Knights had done wrong. Tasha Gale celebrating every single Titans try. And and when Chapman scored the third, stop the fight, stop the fight. That my God, I've never been closer. I did put my fist through my TV. Yeah, that was and, embarrassing. And I'm, I'm, I'm gonna. I'll tell you what. I'm gonna cut that up and body play it next time because that to me, if those when those girls see what she said, that will fire them up because she had the hide to think that the defending premiers were gone because they were mm. down by one try with 20 minutes to go. 
So we we posted about this from the podcast. Um, sorry, I posted this from the podcast account. And funnily enough, I'd forgotten it until my other half mentioned it to me, where she said, hey, what the fuck was all of that stuff they were going on about eyelash extensions? And I was like, uh... oh, my God. So, I mean, in hindsight, and I'll, look, I'll give benefit of the doubt once and only once in terms of, Okay, maybe they thought that there was nothing genuinely wrong with Nita. They didn't realise that she was undergoing an HIA assessment. And and to be fair, Hannah Southwell, to this point, yes, she had faked injury to slow the game down. So I, I absolutely take that on board. But even even with that in mind, when you've got a player who because because you know it's funny they make the eyelashes joke and then they see I think it's Shannon Marto's uh, quad just piling through Nita Maynard's head and they back off. They're like, um, yeah, she possibly actually is in- injured. But my point is you shouldn't have had to see that that vision. Like as soon as the doctor's out there undergoing a very clear assessment of a player's head, you, you shouldn't be making any jokes about that to begin with. And the fact that they're sitting there having a laugh about, oh, she's checking her eyelash extensions, isn't that a he- hilarious? And a player with the experience and reputation of being a hard head like Nita Maynard. Yeah, yeah. Like she's a girl who's been doing this for 15 years and has got a reputation as one of the hardest workers in the competition. To question her integrity like that, yeah. get fucked. Because you can see Nita when she, when they when the doc says to it, you've got to come off. You can literally see her walking yeah. off. The devastation, furious. the devastation of it. Like so, and and the, you could tell she was concussed because she was trying to get a headband, uh, or, um, a scrunchie out of her hair and couldn't even get a, a hand to work properly. You know. Yeah. Like so I just, was my blood was boiling about the commentary at that stage, but for me it, it taps into something deeper about this team that I actually want to talk to you about um, recording because. Um, and I didn't sort of signpost to you that I was going to bring this up, but it has been on my mind today because you and I have been chatting a bit over the past couple of days about where is this coming from? What What is the go with this perception of the Newcastle Knights uh, women's team in terms of we get that the men's team doesn't get um, adulation and we understand that the pressure that comes with being Kale and Ponga, everything, you know, did you scratch your left nut or your right nut? Let's get some clicks. I, I, I take that on board. But there's the, the commentary bias to me is a symptom of this deeper malaise that seems to exist with this Newcastle women's team is that they just seem so reviled. Not not to the extent that they're like, well, we want to give them a hard time. No, 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 no. They genuinely seem like they are a team that is just for whatever reason despised. Like they like, you know, they, like they ran over the the, the uh, commenta- commentary dog or something. And my theory, because I've been thinking about this all day, because you you sort of indicated that there might be an element about the Newcastle Knights women that uh, makes them very standoffish to the rest of the NRLW community. But I actually put it to you that they're suffering from, to a certain extent, the part of the Luttrell-Mitchell syndrome is that the Sydney Roosters are still filthy. Yeah, absolutely. That those five players walked out on them to come home and play for their hometown team. We still hear it. We still hear it from Roosters fans on online. Oh, you told all our players. No, we didn't. The girls went and played for you till we had a team, and that was always mm-hmm. the case. So they, Hannah, like Hannah Southall had said when she went to the Roosters, one day I want to come home. Mm. 
I, I want to play with my sister as well. And you're not bringing, yeah. you're not bringing Jesse down to um, the, or maybe they did. I, maybe they tried. I don't know. Yeah, Yaz lives at Scone. She's had to travel from Scone to Sydney three times a week for training. Why the fuck is she not going to want to go to Newcastle? Like, <laughs> we didn't steal their players. We brought our players. We developed those. That's the classic Roosters boat, isn't it? Someone yeah. else develops them. You buy them, they think you own them. Yeah. Well, look at look at everything that we've done for you. It's like, yeah. Some of them had one fucking season. What are you talking about? Yeah, like like Preds. Preds had been there, you know, was on a development contract for one season. So those are the oh, five players. Is um, yeah, you go. So so no, you go through five players. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, sorry, actually, because I really, so Hannah Southwell, Olivia Higgins, Yaz Clydesdale, um, Taylor Predabon, and I do apologise because the uh, the other one escapes me. But um, you know that is a that. Particularly when you think about um, Yaz Clydesdale, uh, who's won three premierships in a row now, the first one being with the Roosters, and obviously Hannah won one there as well. They, there's this, like the Roosters have been hard done by. It's like, well, why didn't we get to keep the players that we stole? Jazz is the other one. Sorry? Oh, yeah, Jasmine Strait. Yeah, Jasmine Strait, of course, of course. And so. She she didn't come home. We stole her, but they dropped her. Our own father dumped that. <laughs> but even that in and of itself, it's like, you know, we, we've got a player that you, your own player that you didn't want. Don't give us the. But yeah, but I've been thinking about this a lot is that, you know what, there may well be a, a, a click within that, um, that Knights team where they, you know, but I don't see it as them having a mentality where they think they're better than anyone else. I genuinely see that as, a, you know, that's sometimes what you need to do to keep the outside noise out because like, well, we've got to stick together here because if we listen too much to what's been said about us outside and we're not united, that will bring us apart. And Hannah talks about, she talked, spoke about it in the press conference after the game going, yes, we li- we heard the doubters and we wanted to prove them wrong. And I just think that this is a team that's been built on all of the, everyone saying that they can't do it, that you can't do it, that people are going to catch you. That it's like, well, we're going to prove you wrong and we're going to hunt everybody else and we're going to win this premiership. And I think that, you know, that Roosters element has just worked so hard to make them uh, unpopular for whatever reason. Um, you know, the girls have now got the ring and the trophy to tell everybody to get fucked. Yeah, so I'll, I'll go through it. So the, I think in terms of Tamika, everyone was like, well, you're Millie's best friend. You, you've ridden on Millie's coattails. Now Millie's gone. Good luck. So to make it went righto, I win the Dally in. Cool. <laughs> You're right, and all the and all the other, all the roosters bullshit of oh, you know, you stole our players. You're right, you stole a Troy Mitchell thing of you can win premierships here, but don't you dare go and win something somewhere else. Mm. And you know, and at least at least Latrell was a roosters junior. You know, they they they, they did have some claim to you know Latrell being Latrell. These were these were girls we developed. So mm. don't so don't give me that bullshit. Um, I think that. The Southwell sisters are so tight, and they've become so tight with Tamika that that's been screwed uh, screwed as a bit of a a bit of a click, and everyone sort of thinks that you know they think they're better than everybody. I don't know the girls, I don't know what the situation is, but I'm happy for them to play be playing for our team. Yeah. Um. The stuff in the media is just because we're not supposed to be good. Newcastle Knights have to know their place. We'll take your record crowds. We'll take all the money and revenue you bring to the game and all the eyeballs that you bring to the game and the great footy you play and the wonderful coach you have that's a great adverse for the game. But don't you dare be good. Don't take our trophies. 
exactly right. You can you can finish fourth and lose in the finals first week. Lovely. We'll take a twelve thousand crowd. Beautiful. But don't you dare take our trophies and our medals. And then it got to it's so bad now, but Tamika Upton didn't make the RLPA team of the year. <laughs> the Dalian medalist did not make the team of the year. Voted by the players. That's where, I think that's that was, where it's got to. I think that was another reason as well why I wasn't confident about um, Tamika going into the um, into the Delhi M's. I was like, mm, she sort of missed out there as well. It's now we ne- we need to be careful as well because at the end of the day, um, Tamika was voted by a media organisation as being the best player in the comp. So I, I don't think we're going to sort of start reaching for the tinfoil hat conspiracy theory so bad. It's like, well, they hate us so much they don't want anything. I'm certainly not saying that. But when it comes to the Newcastle Knights as an organization, organization, I absolutely 100% believe that leaving the Roosters has caused a lot of damage to the coverage that those girls are going to get. And I think the best way they've known how to respond to it is two ways, banding together and winning premierships. And yeah. if that's if that's the way they want to deal with the, um, the negative coverage, I, for one, am all for it. <laughs> that, that, was, that was my tweet. Doubt us, hate us, we'll just keep fucking winning. I just love the game. But more than that, I love the community. If you're a fan of Rugby League or the NRL, you'll love Big T's Tees. Unique, affordable and made for fans. Find a link to the online store in the show notes below. You'd look good in one of Big T's Tees. Um... Mate, so look, anyway, at halftime, look, as I said, I would have preferred that we were 10 points ahead instead of four points ahead. Um, you yeah. were happy with that backs to the wall sort of, well, you know, we've got to stay switched on here. Not okay, so, so when they went bang, bang. <laughs> you know, but no, this is the funny thing is that it's easy to forget that in a lot of ways, and I know this sounds like I'm trying to rewrite history here, but in a lot of ways, the Titans coming up and scoring two quick tries kind of worked to our favour because all of a sudden you're like, well, we've got half an hour to fix this. Yeah, that's you're right. That's exactly what my one thought was, okay, they've gone bang, bang, but there's still 25 minutes to go. So we've got we've got, we've got 25 yeah. minutes to score at least six points. Yeah. I think these players can do it. The only doubt I had, and this was the only doubt I had, was when the fuck are we going to get some field position? Yeah. You know, say, say what you want about the refereeing and say what you want about this and that. Um, I probably have overlooked um, the, pa- the part of f- absolute credit to this Titans team. I thought they played absolutely magnificently on uh, on Sunday. You know, they bashed us, they niggled us. The um, the run in with um, Jazz between uh, who was it, Niall Williams Guthrie, um, who and I think she's. Just I reckon she's just a dirty player. But I say that more as in I'd be saying that about a male player as well. You know, like that. Those are the types of players. Sometimes there's a bit of the Tyson gambles about it. Like you want them in your team because you know they're going to do the wrong things to the opposition for the right outcomes for your team. So the way she was sort of hammering and niggling uh, Jasmine Strange, I hated it as a as a Knights fan, but I I respected it as a rugby league fan. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I agree. Like, and but that's kind of her game. She, um, yeah, she's very sort of uh, forceful player in that in that thing. You know, she's your, she's your old school physical centre, and so, yeah, I think that's part of the game. And credit to Jazzy, Jazzy, take a backward step. 
So with all of that in mind was that we just couldn't seem to get any field position. And so my concern was not will we take out uh, opportunities when they finally present. It was more, are we going to be able to, honestly, what I was thinking was, I'm like, yeah, we probably have two or three more tries in us, but does it, it is our defence going to hold out any more tries? Because I absolutely think if the Titans score one more time on Sunday, we're done. I, I don't think we had extra time in us. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm all for holding with the game plan, but coming back from two tries down in that, in those conditions, because um, it, it was the literal hottest part of the day in that second half. It got to set 37 degrees after they'd already played a full full half. Yeah, that was the only doubt in my mind. I was just like, we've got time to fix this, but can we hold them out long enough to do it? And um, what watching the replay several times on Monday, what you forget is that when you look at the clock and then you look at... So between Jamie Chapman scoring from the, I think, the 42nd minute to when Tamika goes over for her her first try in the 60th, first, but that's 20 minutes. There was just 20 minutes of just grinding footy in between those two moments. And, Bretta, i got to tell you, mate, it was enthralling to watch. It was just, oh, man, it was just edge of your seat gripping rugby league at the highest level that you could not take your eyes off. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And that's, to me, that's the most impressive part of our performance, yeah. that 20 minutes because the Titans got in front and their game plan for that moment was, was simply we're going to do what we've always done and we're going to they do it they do the roosters get a yes. try in front and grind them into the dust that was their game plan was we get it you know we're trying front in the second half we will grind these guys into the dust we did it to the roosters we'll do it to the knights they're not even as tough as the roosters and our <laughs> girls just kept going toe for toe with them knowing that we have Tamika Upton um, you know, we we have that bit of individual magic that if we are within a try with 10 to go, we're right in this game. And I think, again, that's why that rope dope sort of worked to our favour because uh, Shannon Mardo, 184 metres, you know, Jessica Elliston, 165, Shaley Bent, you know, all of the Shaley Bent, Georgie Hale, all of these players running in excess of 100 metres. I think in those conditions, bashing us into submission wasn't the play. Holding us out and maintaining your line was the play, which is what we ultimately did to, you know, once we once we finally got... Because that was the thing. No, I can't even say that. We were starting to get into position and we were sort of overplaying our hand a bit. Like, we just weren't firing. We just weren't clicking. And there were a couple of times there where Jess, Jessie was looking for that open space and she sort of had to stop herself and, and run back infield because we just weren't finding our marks. And yeah, with ten minutes to go, I really was starting to think, "Oh Jesus, the the tit- literally what you just said, the Titans are going to rooster us." And um, yeah, all I was holding, my, hanging my hat on was, um, "We've still got to make her up to anything is possible." And uh, whew, as it turned out, anything um, anything was indeed possible. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, this this is where I will say to make it to make it finish the game off, you know, superstar. Um, Kayla Romanyuk actually changed the game. Well, so, so, she, so she, she turned it from a grind into three or four key offloads that got us rolling down the field, and then a couple of offloads that then gave Tamika space. All right, so let's talk about Kayla a little bit in terms of um, you know getting that roll on, getting those offloads. 
I mean, is that something just, that just comes to her as a player or are the coaches seeing something that's happening going, look, we've got to change it up. This is what we need you to do to get that second phase play to us. Where does that come from or does it matter? Is it just, you know, fortunately that happened and we were able to reap the benefits of it? Because, yeah, you're absolutely right. In those last 10, 15 minutes, we seem to go less for get the yardage and see what we can do as to it was keep the ball moving around and open up that space. Yeah, so I I I I've got to believe that's part was part of the game plan. That Kayla's obviously got the license to offload. She's one of the better offloaders in the team. You know, each team has you know players where the coach goes. If you got a chance and we're not under pressure, you know, offload the ball. Kayla's clearly got that license. But I I, I got a feeling the game plan was let's be with you know let's be right in the game with ten to go and then let's open it up because all of a sudden we went from grind 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 to offload, three passes off the ruck, um, you know, switching of play. We just – and they tired, you know, as they should, mm. like every, as, as anyone would. But them shutting up shop then meant that they couldn't then reverse it. So they were they were in grind mode. They were, that's, that was their plan. The moment we opened the game up, they sort of got, got on their heels. They were stunned. And I, I've got a feeling that there was, you know, that was definitely part of the game plan of if we're in this with 10 to go – Let's open the game up and let's run over them. Um, for me, there were a couple of big plays in that second half, um, leading up to um, leading up to the first to make her up and try. I think the first one was the one-on-one steal, which you're not like you and I sort of disagree on this. I, I think it was ultimately a fair one-on-one, but you sort of lean towards it should have been penalised. Yeah, I, I watched it again today. I think it was. They were, but uh, Sheridan half had the ball when they hit the ground, but she didn't fully get the ball out of her arms oh, on the ground, so it's a penalty. Yeah. But after the uh, accidental offside knock on all that rubbish, oh, fuck man. Off, we'll, take, we'll take the ball. I was boiling. Honestly, I've never, I've never seen a worse call in a big game ever. You know what gets me about that call? It's not even the fact that it was missed. It was that the Titans players literally stop twice and look. Yeah, so, and so, yeah. So Chapman stopped before they played on. Then when she got tackled, she thought, "Oh, this won't be play on skill." She stood up, <laughs> ready to hand the ball over, and then went, "Oh, we've still got the ball." Twice she tried to give herself up. <laughs> so I mean, the one-on-one strip happens, but then funnily enough, Jamie Chapman of all players makes that uh, error up the um, up the other end. And, of course, it's off the back of that that uh, Tamika ultimately scores her uh, her first try. I think when – look, I'll, I'll be honest with you and, you know, call me a liar if you want, but as soon as we drew level, I genuinely did not think there was – I thought there was only one going to be one winner. And I, I genuinely thought because we'll do this again. We'll just get – we'll get up the other end of the park because the Titans have got no juice – and Tamika's got her mojo back, and she'll do this again in one form or another. I didn't think she'd do it the way that she did do it, um, but I just thought once we – the girls just needed that pressure off to draw level so that they could execute and close out the game, and that's basically exactly how the last 10 minutes played out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, once we got um, to level – normally I would be – because I'm, I'm a panic merchant. So normally I would be panicking because they've got Loz Brown, who's the field best field goal kicker in the women's game. Yeah, yeah. So normally yeah. I'd be, oh shit, we're in, you know field goal, but but I, I was super confident we had it, we were going to score another try. 
Yeah. And when the commentator was saying, oh, you know, the Knights are going to plug it up here to try and kick a field goal, like, no, we're not. We're just going to score. And that's exactly what we did. Um, it's a funny match-winning try because it's 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 a you know it, it'll it's iconic now. It'll be um, like that's a try that will be repeated over and over. But it's a funny it's a it's a miskicked, well-executed grubber, where Tamika, funnily enough, shows two amazing attributes of her game that probably get overlooked a little bit, which is that the game awareness to see the opportunity but then also the game awareness to take advantage of it when it doesn't quite go away. Because it's a, it's a pinball. Bobbles back and forth yeah. between her and the other player. And so whereas you compare it with a chip and chase against the Roosters, this is one where she she saw the opportunity. She's like, oh, well, I've, I've actually fucked this up a little bit. Because she'd done the grubber earlier in the half where she'd kicked it dead. So she was probably compensating for that a little bit. Where So she's, she's underkicked it this time. But she still had the game smarts to make it work to her advantage. And, yeah, just follow through with what was ultimately an amazing match uh, sealer, um, Jesse Southwell converting. And um, I, I was nervous about the short kickoff because the Broncos had, got, had gotten that over us uh, the week before. But I never I, – like, once once Jesse converted, I did not for a second think we were losing that game from there. No, I absolutely agree. Um, yeah, I, I, I knew that. Yeah, I, I short kickoff, yeah, I wasn't surprised they got it back. But I, I never thought they were going to score on us at the end there. Um, no, our, our girls are, you know, as much as our defence can be a bit patchy, back to the wall, our defence is great. A lot of times this year when we've had to save tries, we have. There's, you know, that was never the worry. We did it against the Broncos. We've done it several times. Um, yeah, the, the Tamika try, you're right. So she, you're absolutely right. She underkicked it because she was worried about kicking dead like the previous one. The, so the Titans have gone the old uh, trap and scrap, put the foot out. But <laughs> but and as much as it's a, it's a ricochet, it's Tamika's drive for the ball. So, so because Tamika's still running hard onto the ball, once she kicks it, you know, it hits her on the thigh and roll, it goes forward. So she's got all the momentum where she, you know, mm. she's got Jamie Chapman, who's the fastest girl on the field chasing two, but Tamika is so, you know, going with such momentum, you know, she's the only one ever getting to it. And then it's the awareness to not panic because the ball was on the ground. The ball was, you know, a couple of inches off the ground. The, the, you know, the, under that sort of pressure to not panic and try and, Catch it and put it down. Just gently put your hands on top. Yeah, class. There are three players. No, sorry, four. Four players that specifically come to mind that I, that I want to talk about who are now, um, you know, first time or multiple premiership winners. Um, I'll, I'll talk about Yaz first because uh, unfortunately, Tamika stole the uh, Karen Murphy medal off off Yaz. Uh, and I only six dollars out- for punters. Oh, uh, well, the punters left lamenting. The, the other thing as well is that we sort of discuss is like Yaz won't care, but of yeah. course in any other, t- it, it's funny in any other team, she wins the medal, but she probably doesn't win because she's playing with Tamika Upton. It's, it's, it's a bit of a cat, catch 22, but Yasmin Clydesdale, mate, I'm going to, I'm going to put it out there. Is she the best forward in the game at the moment? Because you look at the game that she had, she had 23 runs. She had 184 meters um, she was wasn't far off um, the meters gained by um, by Tamika Upton, but on top of all of that, twenty five tackles. She was the top tackler for the Knights uh, in the in the grand final. It's it's Ben Kennedy and Steve Simpson all rolled up into one. Um, you know she's she's back in the Gillaroos again. She's a an established rep player. Is Yasmin the best uh, forward in the uh, in the NRLW? 
Um, I won't say she is, but I'll say this. She's the best all-round forward. There is yeah, okay. no yep. weakness to her game, you know. She's as good as anyone in defence. She's, you know, she she's great running metres. She's really, really, really good at running a hole when she's needed. She does it all, you know. And she's probably not the best in the league at any of those things, but she's probably top five in all of those things. Does that make sense? No, 100%. You know, look- she's, she's, Steve, she's Steve Simpson. She's um, absolutely Steve Simpson. 96, 96% tackle efficiency as well. So in that yeah. heat, running those metres, making that amount of tackles, she missed one tackle all um, all day. But yeah. so off the back of though, that, let's talk about tackling because um, Hannah probably had a quieter game by her standards. Um, she didn't carry the ball as much as she probably would have liked to, but she made 22 hard tackles. And let me tell you something, the Titan player, the Titans players absolutely felt every single one of those 22 tackles and she didn't miss one all day. Look, I think for a player coming back from an injury that she did, given where the women's game is at at the moment, playing in those conditions, leading that team uh, in the circumstances of the game, with the performance that she had, could she have run a bit a little bit more? Maybe. But did she do a job better than anybody else was going to on the day? Absolutely. And I just thought, you know, Hannah does mention it after the game as well. She was like, everybody made me feel a part of last season. You know, I got my ring. Um, I, I, I never felt like I was out of it because of injury. But in a lot of ways, not being a part, it just made Sunday so much sweeter. And I, I, I thought she had a great game. You know, she had she had a true rugby league player's game, you know, even with the little stuff. I was like, yeah, look, I was faking injury. And, and I, I sort of liked that. I was like, yeah, what the fuck are you going to do? Um, but I just, I, you know, I thought she had a, a great grand final and a uh, genuine captain's knock. Hannah Southwell is what Newcastle fans want Knights players to be. Mm-hmm. She's, she's mm-hmm. just, no, she's, she's just bogan and she just wants with everything. <laughs> Like she's just, she, she's just everything we want nice players to be. She, yeah, and and the knee's still hampering. That's why she's not running. The knee's still no good. And we, you know, we, we've we've seen the research now. Women get ACLs more, and when they do, they're more severe, and the surgery takes longer to to be um to work. Yeah. So she she's she's another. You know, she next season she should be back running the ball more. But it doesn't matter because her job in this team is to whack anything that moves. And that's exactly what she did. I tell I'm telling you now, those Titans girls will be seeing her in their sleep. Because every time those big girls <laughs> tried to tried to roll through the middle, they would get two or three good runs. But then Hannah would go, okay, you've gone far enough now. And she'd put one of them on their backside. Um, what about your girl CJ? Let's oh. did she okay, so did she have a good game? Yeah. Because oh, the answer is yes. She was the best was... she was she was the best forward on the field. Okay, right. So because the, like she didn't make as many tackles as everyone else. She didn't run as many meters as everybody else. But I tell you what, mate, every single thing she did in that game was memorable. Even down to going on report for elbowing, was it Steph Hancock? Yes. Great. That's the best thing that she did in the entire game. Um, But Caitlin Johnston showed that she is the big game player with a controlled aggression and a ferocity that just, go back to what Yeah. It's the Chiefs the chief oh. stats, stats never leap off the page at you. And but it, it's the big run when you need it. It's the big hit when you need it. It's the willing to die to stop your opposition scoring. That's yeah. CJ. Yep. 
And um, I just thought, um, you know, I was, I was, I was just so happy with everything that she had to do, and so, and she's oh. such a funny one because the tears, the tears after the full time siren. She's a monster. She's an absolute psychotic monster till the siren goes. Yeah. And all of a sudden, she's a ten year old girl bawling. Like it's, yeah. it's amazing. Um, I thought she had a great game as well. Look, I thought all of our forwards played uh, amazingly well. Um, I, I'm going to talk about a fifth player as well because I'll, the last player I want to save to last, I want to give her a special mention. But I'm going to mention Rima Butler as well for two reasons. You know, losing grand finalists, coming into a premiership winning side. Um, but, you know, that injury, she was out injured for most of this season. You know, she she was probably one of our bigger marquee signings to come in and fill that gap left by um, Millie Boyle. And uh, to come back from the injury and still play, um, you know, a, a fairly significant part uh, in the win on Sunday. I thought it was great recognition for her. Mate, the, the player, though, that I wanted to save till last is probably the player who's gotten the least media attention of all of our girls this season. And I think, I, I don't know if the club did it by um, for, with, intentionally or it's just the way the cards fell, but Georgia Roach coming out from the UK with a big reputation, she got here late, she couldn't um, have a full pre-season in, um, to, to get her fit and fire. She had a week, she had one week. Oh mate, I, I just what she has brought to this team because we were worried. Like we were like, yeah. you know, Caitlin Moran is still, you know, we don't know where she's at injuries well, fitness wise. Now Kira Dib gone. Georgia Roach with this big reputation coming over was the great unknown, and she has so quietly, so quietly gone about her business this this season. While Jesse Southwell has, you know, the lair has taken all the attention. Georgia Roach has been that just experienced operator doing her job at 5'8 and doing it well. And I was just so happy for, you know, her family came out for the game on Sunday and, you know, hearing just some of the interviews of her after the game, it, it was a reminder. I was like, yeah, that's right. She's here. Like, you know, like, you know what I mean? That's how yeah. well she was doing her job. She was doing her job so well is that you never once were too concerned. You don't, you that don't she know, was, you Yeah. I just, I, I'm, I was so happy for her to get that, um, get that reward on Sunday for what she brought to the Newcastle Knights. I know I'm doing a lot of men's comparisons here, and it's not fair, but I'll do it. She, she's the Maddie to, to Jesse Andrew. Yeah, yeah, she's on the other side of the field and just does all the things, you know, the kicking game, the organising, the, you know, all the, all the good solid stuff. That's Georgia Roach, and she's, but unlike Maddie, she's a great defender. Yes, yeah. defender. <laughs> and Matty is fine. Matty, Matty Johnson is a fine defender. He, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't Brett Kamali. He wasn't weak as piss. But yeah, but but but, but George is just out. crossing him off the list. We're just working our way down the list. Yeah, it's just, yeah all right, no, Matty. Yeah. But, um, but George is George is an outstanding defender, and for someone that's so she's only twenty three. Yeah, she's been playing at the top level for six years now, and she looks it. She just knows the game so well that with a preseason under a belt and, you know, it's a videotape to work on over the offseason, looking at the girls and opposition teams. She obviously doesn't know none of the opposition, so there's all that, you know, that to learn. Another 12 months and, yeah, we'll be, we'll be wrapping her. And I would not be surprised if she's, you know, pushing for our best player award next season. Um, the post-game scenes were, look, they were something else. They were, they were, they were so different to last year. I think last year was just a lot of relief and shock. Um, to be honest, I think this year was genuine, just admiration and um, awe of what these girls had had achieved. 
But I think, again, and we're going to go back to Ron Griffiths. For me, the piece that Adam Murray did for NBN News, the interview that he had with Sheridan Gallagher, you know, we, we posted it uh, on our um, social media accounts. You know, the words, he treats you as more than just a player and he treats he, he, he looks after you as a, as a person. And to see what that meant to Sheridan to bring her to tears, um, oh, man, just the bond that is in this team and what those players are doing for each other, um, it's special. You know, th this is our team. Yeah. Th these girls are a yeah. part of us and they've done this for us and they've done it together and it obviously means something so much more deeply to them than just a ring on the finger and a trophy in the cabinet. This achievement that they've begun together and the way they speak about uh, Ron as his father figure to them, oh, it just... It, it, it was it was everything you wanted a sporting achievement to be. As a fan, they just it was almost like they were gone. Yep, yeah, we'll, we'll tug of the heartstrings here. Yeah, all right, we'll, we'll you know that's how we do this. Um, just amazing um, post game scenes uh, from those women. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. Like it's not about individuals. You know, we've got the stars to make a Jesse and you know, we, we've got the stars out there. There's no doubt about that. But it's about the bond those girls have. Like we we mm. probably got on paper, we've probably got the fourth or fifth best roster. But we, we dominated the competition. Absolutely dominated the competition. Um Yeah, and that's it's not it's not only what they do for each other, they would die for Ron. Like they would just die for him. And when you said earlier on the Gallium pod about, you know, you're you're confident that Ron missing out on the award would help us win the win the grand final because the girls, you know, in 2022 had said we did it for Ron. That's just that's just how they roll. Like they love him so much, and every time Ron tries to slink into the background, and every time the girls drag him to the front, it was on stage at next. You know, Ron would try and slink up the back, and Hannah or someone would grab him and drag him to the front. You know, like it's just yeah, it's it's just it's perfect. The um. The post-game press conference, I thought, was uh, very telling for a variety of reasons. I mean, we've, we've spoken about how Hannah pointed out that, you know, they they, they actively wanted to prove a lot of people wrong. Um, I thought some of the commentary they made around uh, just the opposition as well in terms of uh, the Ron in particular saying that they almost knew that they were going to be facing off against the Titans at some point in this final series. Um, I think that, was a, that said a lot about both the Titans and the Roosters, just quietly. But um, I think for me as well, you know, what Hannah sort of had to say in terms of, um, again, that, that siege mentality where, you know, we want, we, you know, we after the Cowboys loss, we had a good old-fashioned honesty session. I was like, my God, girls, could you be any more Newcastle Rugby League? But the idea that they were able to look within themselves and say, what's going on here? Do you trust what we're doing? Is the answer yes? Yes, it is. Well, then let's go out and fucking do it. And to think that they, you know, they won every, they went on a nine-game winning streak to win a back-to-back -back premiership. Oh, phenomenal story. It's, it's a phenomenal story. Whatever way you paint it, they have just, um, they've created this team and this aura about them, haha, that they are a high-caliber, historic, premiership back-to-back -back winning team just 
what do you say about that? <laughs> and then the thing is, next year, we won't be the favourites, but we third or fourth favourites for the competition, and we'll be back here again. Whether we win or we, you know, we just fall short, we'll be back when the whips are cracking again next year because those girls are just winners. Ron spoke a little bit about his future as well. I'm curious as to how that plays out because, I mean, wherever Ron winds up in the club, you'd sort of like to think that he'll still he's not going to disassociate himself entirely from the women's team. But having said that, I mean, when you look at what this, the, the bond that this team and this group have created, there's a part of me that thinks it's created a rod for the clubs, for the clubs back in terms of what they want to do with Ron Griffiths now, because you run the risk of there being a very adverse reaction by these, by these players to see this coach that they've invested a lot of emotion and energy into you know, looking like he's abandoning them. Um, and I, I think... don't think they'll, they'll never think that. Can I Can I just say, and I've, and I've heard other things say, you know, like going to, if he ends up coaching the Wales Cup, either, you know, that should be a step down from NRLW head coach. Absolutely correct. NRLW head coach should be the second biggest job in the club. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think I've been controversial saying, you know, Ads has got the, the top job. You know, the pay packet says, says so. Yeah. But, the club know that they've got this wonderful asset that they can utilise in the men's program, but they know that there are a lot of great female coaches in the Hunter that they can lean on to take over the women. Like, hopefully now, whether it's next year or in the, in the coming years, we see, you know, a Newcastle female legend become the women's coach. That's the next step. And I don't think those girls would ever um, knock Ron for taking, you know, another job within the club because they're, they're, they're not idiots. They understand, you know, like Ron is a great coach. Ron can get, you know, a lot more. Just, it means that he's early 40s. He's got a family to feed. Mm. The reality the reality of commercial rugby league is in the men's program, the money's a lot more. That's just reality. The West organization are about, you know, they, they want the women to win and they've put the money into it and they've developed this great organization in the women. But the men's premiership is what they're hunting. You've got to have your best personnel in that program. And a lot of people will hate me for saying this, but unfortunately, the, that program is the men's program. We've got to use our best assets. Well, what I was actually going to say as a follow because I, I agree, I, I do actually agree with you. And, and I think it's an unfortunate set of circumstances, you know, when you are talking about the two, um, the two uh, competitions. But I don't think that's going to be a permanent state, certainly not with the Newcastle no, Knights. No, absolutely not. I think the Knights absolutely are, not. I think they're slowly but surely building up both uh, teams and squads relative, in their relative um, competitions towards greater things long term. Um, but what I was actually the it, other it, thing it's, was, about, it's about Rod lifting the women to the, to the men to the standard of the women now. So what? Yeah, and that was mate. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going to go in terms of we've just said before um, in uh, in the previous pod that uh, you know Adam O'Brien said, well, I might you know he may go and 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 Braddy may go, and, and that's all right because funnily enough, we've got a club now that's looking towards um, the future. And is trying to, um, you know, we, you, they've got credit in the bank now to think that we've got a broader plan here to compensate for that. Well, now the same actually can apply to Ron Griffiths. We, yeah, I'm, 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 I might be completely wrong, but my take on this is so that 
the night we, we talk about the plan and part Peter Parr with his plan. So they they both both men and women play rugby league, but they're two completely different sports. They, mm. Yeah, they're not close. Like someone could not jump from coaching a women's team to a men's team, and even though they do it in reverse, it generally doesn't work. You know, you need you need that understanding of the women's game. Um, mm. I think that running the men's program is the plan. That if something happened where Adam O'Brien either left or was fired, we have the successor ready to go. Because you have to. As much as we, as I said, we don't want to admit it, we're still about winning the men's, men's premiership now. Because the women have done it twice. Mm. We need that men's premiership. And if something goes awry, we need the program just to flow on. You know, if Adzi, you know, lo and behold, goes to Melbourne in two years' time. We, we can't go, well, shit, where do we go now? We just go, okay, thanks, Adam. You've done well for the club. Ron, your job now, mate. Just carry on. That's mm. how it, it needs to work. And as I said, there's so many good female coaches in the Hunter that we're not worried about that, that women's program. That women's program is now being set up by Ron. The good, we've, we've got we've got South Wales forever. We've got Tamika forever. They're rocking and rolling. Now we just need to find the long-term coach. And, I, and I, as I said, and ideally, that's a woman. Um, no, I, 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 and I don't think Ron actually wants to leave the girls yet, but he, he, no, he, he knows what it's about. He, you know, he knows the game. He knows, I'm sure he's had many conversations with, um, Adzi and with Peter Parr and probably even Phil Gardner. Um, no, I, it's, it's certainly not a promotion, you know, to go to coach cup after coaching, uh, first grade women, but it's a career progression that the club needs one to take, I think. Hey mate, um, will we talk about the men's grand final? I mean, because you know we, we've talked a fair bit about the Knights um, so far, and um, but we've we got to talk about the, grand, the the NRL grand final on Sunday night because uh, I just so much happened. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what man, a, amazing! What amazing. a remarkable! I mean, like off the back of the seesawing game that we sort of um, saw between the Knights and the Titans. Um, to follow that up with um, what the men produced, uh, just a great day of uh, rugby league. And, and can I say as well, the women really did just set the platform for that um, that that back-to-back major minor premiership vibe that uh, flowed through to to what the Panthers did uh, over the Broncos. I mean, can we get this one out of the way really quick? You know, people always like to make these calls early on, um, you know, and, and look, go to the uh, hyperbole. Was it the best grand final of all time? Um, yes. It was I pretty good. It was, the be- it, was, it was the best 80 minutes and it still had the finish. Yes. I think... Knights, I think each respective team, like Cowboys, Knights, um, you can, fair enough if you want to say that yours is the the greatest, um, you know, Raiders as well back then, that, that, that's fine. But I think objectively, the quality of rugby league that we saw on Sunday night for various reasons from first half to the second half, plus the final outcome, plus the context within which the final victory you know, gave a broader outcome, it actually is quite easy to argue that it's the greatest grand final in the NRL era, in the modern era, you know, in rugby league. Um, oh, Brent, 
You know what the frightening thing for me was at the time as I was watching it, it's probably the first time I've watched a game and I've just sort of quietly said to myself, yeah, I'm, I'm actually really glad the Knights aren't here because I'm, I'm, I'm... Oh, yeah, I couldn't handle that. Oh, yeah. I couldn't handle that. I just... I always, I always think to myself, you know, I was obviously a young man in 97. I always wonder how I can handle that now. And I don't think I could. <laughs> <laughs> hey, those first 40 minutes, until Tom Flegler um, got given his try at the end of the first half, that first half, funnily enough, played out exactly as I thought I did. But having said that, uh, I thought the Broncos played exceptionally better than I thought they were going to. I did not think it, they had it in them to grind that game out on the occasion against this um, Penrith team that had built up towards that moment. I didn't think they had it in them to give the back and forth that they did for 40 minutes. And nothing but credit to um, the big game performers, uh, particularly in their forwards, uh, that the Broncos, um, the the game that they provided. What what a half of football from both teams. Funnily enough, that half exposed. So you know, throughout the year, you know, you have your top takes of who's going to win the comp and blah blah blah. So that half exposed all the reasons why I said at the start of the year Penrith couldn't win the comp. They don't take advantage. You know, they don't have enough points in them. You know, they they just grind out tries, and mm. good teams will you know will score enough to beat them. So that was you know Penrith showed that you know they had all the ball and could only manage one try. Brisbane, then my knock on them was they yeah a million miles an hour making a million mistakes, and a team like Penrith you know won't let them roll over them. Played out, you know Brisbane made all the mistakes. Penrith, you know every time Brisbane put their attack together, Penrith held them out, and that flag good try just changed the whole narrative. It really did. It changed everything in, in an instant. Um, I didn't see it as much at the ground. You pointed it out to me afterwards. And I, when you watch back the replay, it, 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 what you say was correct. Tony Staggs was a quiet performer in the end who had some big game moments that just sort of showed that he probably is it. And if he can bottle whatever it is that he did in that first half, the idea of writing him off as a blue chip elite outside back slash rugby league player just generally, that might be an agenda that goes to the wayside. He really did step up in some of those key moments when the Broncos needed him most, none more so than scampering out of the uh, in-goal area to save uh, the Broncos from a potential three shit dropouts in that first half. Um, Katoni was quiet, but um, really delivered um, you know, for his team when they needed it uh, in those first 40 minutes. Katoni is, you know, he was, he's what Brady is, you know. They're, they're two guys that wish they should be left and right centre for New South Wales for a decade. And both of them have, you know, have not quite got there, whether it's injuries, inconsistent form. But we've seen it this year from both of them that, you know, that, yeah, we've still got Trellon Turbo, and, but, you know, obviously one of those will go back to fullback. Uh, probably when Teddy goes. So, yeah, so I think that Katoni and Braddy, they're the two most talented pure centres in the competition. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm just sort of jumping from... So there, there are a couple of things that sort of stick out for me in the first half. I think there are, there are three things in particular that I, um, that I, I wanted to highlight. I think one was that for me... Uh, Payne Haas is a God-level uh, front row forward, uh, slash forward. 
Um, I, but I don't yet think that he's the best prop in the game. I, th- I think James Fisher-Harris cemented his status as the premier um, uh, front rower in the game at the moment, not necessarily from a st- stats perspective, um, but the stat that was brought to our attention was that uh, the difference between winning and losing for the Panthers was basically on his back when he was on and off the field. And, and I most just Lerda had part of that too. Oh, at 100%. Yeah. He's got great yeah. support. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. He's not a one-man yeah. band. Yeah. But I just thought Jay, James Fisher-Harris, because um, we said it earlier in the year, particularly when, you know, the, the undermanned Panthers beat the Knights in Penrith, and I said, I actually think that JFH is the key to them being able to win the comp this year because what he delivers is just uh, irreplaceable uh, from, from my perspective. And I thought he showed that on um, on Sunday night. I thought he was going to be – I actually thought he was my pick for um, uh, for Clive uh, right up and, you know, if uh, if if they'd managed to win and, and Nathan Cleary hadn't gone into God mode himself for 20 minutes. But JFH, JFH is him uh, for me at the moment, and uh, and he's set the bar for Payne Haas, added for Neil Blake. The Sophie. Yeah, there's, there, there, there's a god tier. To me, the two Penrith guys, uh, Payne and a- AFB, are just head and shoulders above everybody else. Yeah, yeah. So that, so that was the first thing that jumped out at me from um, particularly that first half. I think the second half was what you say about the Broncos' defence is uh, entirely warranted. In fact, in a lot of ways, their uh, defence was underrated because we were sitting in between uh, Broncos fans fucking everywhere, but there were two Panthers fans sitting uh, next to me, and one of them was getting so frustrated at Isaac Tungo, I think. Yeah, 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 not passing the ball to um, to. Um, get Toto in because they kept getting pushed wide by the Broncos defense and I had to say I said mate Tango's doing nothing wrong the Broncos are sliding exceptionally well tonight and if he passes they're forcing him into a pass that's not going to work and they'll lose the ball I said he's not doing anything wrong Broncos are just defending it really well tonight you've got to be patient with it so I was really impressed by the Broncos defense from uh, from that aspect the third thing I wanted to mention, and this is more of a random thought, is that, yeah, I get that everyone wants to nut, wants to fucking rail Adam Reynolds for the short kick-off that went out of the full. Absolutely, that's dog shit. But the Mitch Kenny try is not his fault. No. <laughs> why does it harm? Why no. fuck, what the no. fuck is Herbie Farnworth yeah. doing? Catch the Catch ball. Catch the ball. You are yeah. uncontested. Just yeah. fucking and put then, your hands on the ball, mate. And teams are smart there now. Same with short kickoff. Teams know teams will back it. And- knock it back so it's exactly what they do they plant a man ready for the knockback it's you know yeah. teams are smart to it so because i remember watching at the time i was like oh that's unfortunate he's like but no the panthers literally play for him to knock the ball yeah. down yeah. that is not adam reynolds fault that is an unfortunate way that they can concede a try but and i think the problem is is that once that try was scored in those means well of course it's going to get in adam a rain's head for the next one and you know next thing you know he's kicked it out on the full but i thought for all the mistakes that adam reynolds made that night that kick was not one of them that was all on herbie farnworth um anyway it was it, the, the intensity that that first half was played at it really was the the pure rugby league version of what we thought was going to happen, which was an irresistible force coming up against an immovable object. You know, the Broncos played with this pace and this impact that I didn't think they'd be able to reproduce on the night. And the Panthers did what the Panthers do, and they just kept doing it for 40 minutes. And you were like, well, this is awesome. This is great rugby league to watch. Phenomenal occasion. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, the conditions help that because, you know, it's a hard, fast track. 
all that sort of stuff. But that 40 minutes was origin pace. Like it was yeah. genuine, you know, and you, you look at that and you go, oh man, I'm so glad we're not playing one of those teams. <laughs> my Lordy, would they have carved us up at that speed? Like it's, yeah, it's, um, it, it was amazing. And, and to me, and even when, when Brisbane started to, you know, get on top, obviously the one thing for me, in the back of my head was always, this game's been so fast and Penrith will not break, you know, and they okay. will, they just, they just will not break. But they did. And they broke three times early in the second half. Mate, you and I said in our pod preview, and we were... Can I, can I just quickly say, I don't think they did break. Because three tries is not breaking. You're only down by 16. Breaking is giving up 30 points in 15 minutes like any other team would have. Right. Okay. No, so maybe I'm... And I'm probably misusing the word break then in terms of... so Because I want to point out a couple of things. So in our pod preview, uh, or our grand final preview, we essentially were quite comfortable of the fact that this Broncos team just won't have enough firepower. They won't be given enough opportunities um, in in weak defence to open up and score the fast-moving tries that the Broncos are used to scoring. And yet they scored three of them in the space of 10 minutes. What happened to the Panthers to start that second half where Ezra Mann comes out, bang, 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 and etches starts, you know, the engraver's starting to put his Ezra's name on the Clive Churchill medal. Where did where did that come from? Because to to, to it, that it point, was just it was just individual brilliance. You watch those tries back, and they're just Ezra Mann beating his man one on one the first like the first two, yeah. and then it's Reese Walsh rinsing um, Cleary, and then giving it Ezra for the third one. Like that's that was when I remember to say Penrith didn't break. Like Penrith weren't getting run through the middle. They were all, yeah, Brisbane were on top, but they were just individual missed tackles by Tua Motango because, you know, he's not he's not fit. He has, he's barely played all season. He clearly should have been playing on the weekend, and Ezra just took full advantage of it. Um, the the, the Reese Walsh um, ankle breaker on Nathan Cleary ended up being interesting for a couple of reasons. One was because, it you know, it set up Ezra for what... Did you think that was the game sealer? Did you think it was game over at that point? Um, I don't think it was game over, but I thought um, this where well, this is where we find out whether Penrith are all time great. Right. So myself and my cousin who were there with this with the Broncos supporter, we thought it was game over because we'd spent the whole night going. If Broncos get much of a lead, this Panthers team doesn't have it in them to chase it down. They've shown they can't chase. They can score and hold, but they can't chase. I, I so we agree, agree with that, and that was and my thing was is Cleary the god that people think he is. So. So that's the first context. The second context is that the ankle breaker that is that um, Reese Walsh puts on uh, Nathan Cleary. Any other player, but you know, maybe a few select elite players in the history of the game. That's the play that ends yeah, that half yeah. halfbacks yeah. game. Absolutely. And I, I, I hate to dra- manage to drag poor Brett Camorley a couple of times, but I'm thinking that intercept pass in the 2005 Origin Series. You know, Brett never really recovered from that. And what Reese Walsh did to Nathan Cleary... I'm still not recovered from it. (laughs) (laughs) To leave Nathan Cleary the way he had... Because Nathan had had a couple of defensive laps. Like, three times, his errors led to... His defensive moments led to tries, indirectly or otherwise. So what we now know is that Nathan was able to recover from that. 
But funnily enough, I'm going to turn some Reese Walsh uh, magic into a chance to prove why I don't think he is him and why I think that that moment actually showed that he's not a big game player. Because what we saw in two State of Origin games and the grand final is that when the game's on the line and you need a big play, he's not your player. Ezra no, he, Mammon, he, he, he He's your ram home your advantage guy. Yes. And by that stage... You know, it, well, anybody can do that or anybody else can do that. You know, they might not be able to break Nathan Cleary's angles, but by that stage, you're two tries ahead in a grand final. You probably don't need someone to do that. And so he started to show these flashy plays when the game, you know, was was or should have been over. And even his second break, it doesn't amount to anything. It, 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 it again, you know, Reese Walsh was invisible for that first half. And I've got to be honest with you, I was actually shocked at how, um, you know, useless he was in that first half. I, I don't know if it was the style of game that was being played. I don't know if the game got to him. I don't know if he didn't have any opportunities. But everyone kept telling us, oh, this is going to bring the best out of him. And it wasn't until Tom Flegler, Pat Pat Carrion, Payne Haas, Ezra Mam, you know, everyone else, had, Tony Staggs had done something. It was like, oh, okay, well, there's, I can go and do something now. That's not a big game player. That's a player who's like, well, I've got the ability, but I just don't know when to use it. I can use it when I'm comfortable. And that's that's... Reese Walsh is what people think Callum Ponga used to be. Yes, that's exactly so, right. So, so, so when people used to say to, say to KP, you know, he, he, he's great with great players because they help him do his job, there's some truth to that. But KP could also lift the Knights to the victories. When people like people say, oh, Walsh has got better this year than the Broncos because they're a better team, correct. It's because he's got other guys that break the game open or do the hard stuff, and he's you know, super uber talented and that when you've got a slight advantage he'll cover team open but he's not the guy you want to get you back into a game so the other thing i noticed about the first half and actually these were the two things in particular i wanted to talk about and this is why the first half up until the flegler try played out exactly as i thought it did was the first half was a funny one for two reasons because the broncos players and the broncos fans did what they would normally do up at Suncor Stadium, but the game wasn't panning out the way they're used to. So the Broncos fans were in the stands fucking shouting their heads off every opportunity they got, thinking, well, you know, we're loud, we influence it, we get these decisions, and the decisions weren't going their way. And they were furious about it. And it was the same with the players as well. Reese Walsh in particular. Reese Walsh's go-to move is I'm the third man in from the outside. I create space out there. I give the ball out to Cobbo who's got space and he'll do his thing. But that wasn't happening to him tonight on that night because he wasn't able to create this space. And all of a sudden he was like, hang on, when I pass this, they score. Why isn't that happening? And he did. the Broncos didn't know how to adjust on Sunday night. It was only when Flegler got that that very lucky try towards the end there to get them back in the game. Suddenly, Ezra Mam is going. It was like, well, we've got an opportunity here, and I, look, I didn't realise how good Ezra Mam was, but I thought Ezra Mam was more of an X factor than Reese Walsh was on Sunday night. He was phenomenal, and I just I just think they needed more from Reese to ice that game on Sunday, and he wasn't capable of delivering it. And it pisses me off because he he misfired in a big game. And the, the narrative out of it is that, oh, well, he'll be better for that. You weren't fucking saying that about Kalen. Kalen Ponga didn't need to be poor in a big game. He came off the bench and played lock for Queensland, and he's been great in every big game ever since. You're not giving him that lead. Oh, but oh, Reese, he just had to choke in a big grand final. He'll be better for this. Well, what the fuck is that all about? 
If the Lakers say, I don't think they're marching back into it next year. I just don't think the Broncos are marching back into the grand final next year. So, I mean, look, I'll say this. I'm reluctant to death ride them. But one thing we have not seen me. from... <laughs> it's 1988, baby. I'm an original. <laughs> well, all I was going to say was is that, you know, history is littered with teams that, you know, were immense going into a grand final one year and everyone said they'd be back next year. And the 2002 Eels say hello. Yeah, I will say this. Corey Parker came out and said, if Broncos fans think we're back in the grand final next year, they got a shock because we've had an all-time blessed year of injuries and we're losing three key players. So who are the um, three that they're losing? They're losing uh, fun? Legler, Herbie, and Paliasia, their best bench forward. Ah, oh, right. I didn't know about Paliasia. Yeah, that, that actually does change a little bit as well. Hey, they're um, losing, They're losing two of their best three props and they're losing the, their best outside back. Mate, at um at twenty four to eight down, it, I mean it's game over. It it's should just, be. It should it be game. Absolutely, over. should be game over. Was Nathan? Was Jerome Luai going from the field the turning point in the game, or is too much being read into that? Can, no, can I say that I don't think it was necessarily the shot. I think he got hooked. I absolutely and, no, and, and, and not hooked because. You know, Jerome, you fuck you. It was, Jerome, you're still injured, mate. You're you're not helping us at all. You're gonna get off. Yeah. Jack um, Cog. Jack Jack ability to dig into the line opened the whole game up for Nathan Cleary. But it's testament to the accolades that Nathan is now getting that he's entirely entitled to. That Nathan came back from you know the the errors that he'd made, the the ankle breaker that he'd suffered to say, i got 20 minutes to fucking win this game for us. And whatever you think about Nathan Cleary, the big game player, only the, forever. Forever. only the great players do what he did in those last 20 minutes. And yeah. we were in the corner where he makes that uh, that break to set up the, um, the Liotta try. And, oh, man, he looked... You know, he looked as fast as uh, Anthony Milford in his prime. I didn't know Nathan yeah, Cleary yeah, had Nathan that pace Smith, in him. Yeah. yeah, he does. Yeah. And when he scores that score, when Liotto goes uh, over and scores that try, mate, there was a shift in the matrix in that whole stadium. Oh, I, I, I got a text of a, a mate of mine. He's yeah, when I say he's a Penrith fan, he's wife's a Penrith fan, so he sort of you know has to be. And um, he's a not he's really a Knights fan. But he, he texted me and said, "Are they back in this?" I said, "Mate, if you score in the next five minutes, it's game over." Because Brisbane had shit the bed. So. Let's talk about the let's talk about the critter try, all right? Because by this stage, the Panthers have got to roll on. You know, they've they've started to get a feel for it. Um, you know, one of the criticisms, funnily enough, of Katoni Staggs is the fact that he let in the the Stephen Crichton try. With all due respect, that try is not Katoni Staggs's fault. There are I don't think that try is anybody's fault. I think that is no, a brilliant they, all time. They rolled over him. They yeah. rolled over him. Had critical yeah. advantage and rolled over him. Yeah. Um, Nathan Cleary lands lands the conversion. We've got four points in it with ten minutes to go. Um, I mean, what did you think was going to happen? What did you think was happening oh, by this stage? Honestly, honestly I was. I, I, I Penrith were just winning. Brisbane yeah. had they, they, the deal was in the headlights, but by that stage they were gone. Did Brisbane? I, 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 I took. I did take a, a sort of a, a look at like how Brisbane were behind the line after the critter try. Mate, they were they were shot. Yeah, they were absolutely shot. Heads were down. You know, guys like Reese Walsh, they were looking terrified. 
It's funny you should say that as well. They were gassed as well because yeah, um, my cousin actually pointed out. He said he, he used the classic. You can throw a handkerchief over them. They're all grouped together. Yeah. Because, because they're used to playing flat out for 60 minutes and being 40 in front. Yeah. Yeah. Not, and that not was one they've of, been playing play out for 70 minutes and they're four in front. And that was one of the things that you and I thought was going to work against the Broncos is that if they can't blow the team off the park, which they, but they've done it. But once they, you know, once they don't have that buffer in them, they don't sort of know what to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can I can I quickly ask you though the drop goal kick out on the full? They got that right, didn't they? The the foot yeah. is absolutely yeah. planted. Yeah. Yeah. And this is why again I go back to the Broncos fans. Broncos fans were they were cheering in the stands. Yep. Oh great, his foot's not down. And again, this is that that those decisions that aren't going their yeah. way, where they're like, "Hang on, but when we're at Suncor, we get these decisions. What what's going on here?" Um, okay, oh, look, I want I want to talk about the final try because we have been talking for a fair while tonight. Um, I'll just look. I'm, I'll just ask you questions today, Randall. Who, uh, which player? Whose fault in the Broncos line? In the defensive line, whose fault is it that uh, Nathan Cleary gets through? Who who uh, has to win late that try? Uh... I think so probably is, a, a combination of Jordan Ricky and Pat Carrigan. So you, so you, you think Jordan Ricky is at fault for he overshoots it and he, he should overshoots have it, and Paddy Carrigan then doesn't follow him across. Yeah, yeah. Okay, what about Adam Reynolds with the initial missed tackle? I, I yeah, absolutely. But the way to, modern teams defend a, a missed tackle ten meters out by your halfback, yeah, still there still should be another guy in behind him to make the tackle. Yeah, it's interesting. And Adam, Brandon, Adam Brandon's always been a poor defender, you know. Like that's not a surprise. I'm sure Brisbane, you know, accommodate their defensive line for that. So it's funny that you should mention Jordan Ricky as well, because I initially was like, I was like, look, they were always going left, and he was probably shooting, um, shooting out that side for defense under the assumption that he had coverage coming back inside him. With, uh, I'm, I'm yeah, not going to drag why, Bruce which is why, which is why I included Paddy Carrigan in that because Jordan Ricky's going, you know, sliding. At, you know, as obviously their defensive structure says he should, but he overshoots it. But Paddy didn't come at all. If even Paddy didn't come enough, fair enough. And Paddy didn't come at all. But you want to know what's funny about the Jordan Ricky overshooting is that he'd actually just come back on the field a minute ago before that. So he was fresh. Yeah. So that's actually probably one of the reasons yeah. why there was a gap in that because he was so energized. He's yeah, got his energy. He's like, like, I've got to run. Behind. He's like Paddy behind him. Whereas if he was cooked, yeah, he, he would have slugged across. Yeah. yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. But I will say if KP put that effort in to, to try and save the grand final that Reese Walker put in, my lord, would he be getting cooked? He'd be getting memed to within an inch of it. He'd be giving back his daily daily M. He'd be yeah, like so badly. And then, uh, then the worst thing about it is that Walsh makes misses that tackle, and not once, not once did anyone involve him in the defensive. You know that he that he's part of it. Like it was, it was every you know it was carried as Ricky. Yeah, then Wayne guys to blame, but there's still a fullback there. At least try and stop him. Mm. Well, because so for me, Reese and Paddy are actually the two at fault there because at least Reynolds, Billy Walters, and Ricky make some effort. Yeah. Reese and um, Reese and Paddy are statues. They're just yeah. statues standing yeah. on the other side of the rack, going, "Oh, what's happening over there? Yeah, that looks interesting. Yeah. Oh, fuck, this guy's coming and our it's, way." It's the, it's the classic Joey of I'm going to find the most tired defender. I'm going to I'm going to uh, burn him. Yeah, that's exactly what he did. Now, Joey was great at that. Was make him look like he, he was going to go wide as soon as the the guys that were switched on was were sliding. Joey would then go, "No, you're the tired one," and go straight past him. 
Mate, Nathan Cleary uh, scores his try. He ultimately converts. Uh, there's a short kickoff. Uh, they got the ball. The, the, the result was never in doubt by that stage. And in fact, I love, love, love the fact that Reese Walsh is the one that gives up the ball at the end for the uh, the last, uh, the final intercept of the game, which funnily enough is counted as an error against Reese Walsh, which I think is hilarious. Um, Brett, you know, we, you and I, we love to hate other teams at the best of times. Um, and, you know, funnily enough, someone did um, message me privately, you know, amongst other things that, um, and I'm not talking about the little social media post. We do forget that, unfortunately, a few years ago, there was a lot to not like about this team. But as the matter currently stands, from a purely footballing perspective, to see what this club, to see what they've achieved in respect of winning three premierships in a row in a competition that states we are going to equalise so this doesn't happen, it is an achievement of historical proportions that, as a just just as a rugby league fan, is actually something that you there was twenty five years with no back to back. There was twenty five yeah. years without a back to back. Yep. That's how hard it is. And in yeah, and when you think about it, we've had two teams win five out of the last six premierships. Yeah. Hey, I want to ask you something, and we'll probably sign off on this. Have the Panthers set a? I want to ask you this: Have they set the bar at a standard that other teams should be aiming to achieve, or is the best that other teams can do just to wait for that standard to drop, so that then we can think about winning again? Yeah, I, Penrith are clearly on the way down. You know, like you know, to me, they peaked last year. Last year was the peak. Mm. I, I'd be surprised if they did it again next year. You know, no way I'm really in them out because, you know, you can't. But I don't I, – I can't in the near future see any team getting to the level they were at last year. Okay. They were impervious last year, like unbelievably good. But to me, this year um, cements their reputation as the greatest team ever. Ever, and you know, it's a Georgia Eleven wins, whatever. Yeah, they'll play in plumbers and um, architects. But um, it, it's the way the three grand finals have happened. So you know, you get blown away in twenty twenty, then they come back, you know, and then they get back into it, whatever. Twenty twenty one was a grind and low scoring game, you know, against South. South came at them late. They answered the call, got it, got over the line. Parramatta last year blew them off the park. So they've done it two different ways already. Then this year, they're up, they're behind, they're dead and buried, and they just go bang, 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 and win. Like, that 20 minutes cements them as the greatest team ever. Yeah. I want to ask you just one last question before we do wrap up this grand final edition, and I'm going to ask you about the Knights. What do the Newcastle Knights NRL squad take out of Sunday night to drive them to bigger and better things in 2024? Or is, is do they look at that and go, congratulations, Penrith, we'll go back to doing what our thing and see if we can keep building towards something. You know, is there something that they can take out of Sunday night to drive us to want to be there in, on the last Sunday of the season uh, in 2024? Three games again in three games this year against those two teams. Yep. The combined margins against us is 13 points. Yep. That's including a golden point. You know, yeah, 
I'm not going to bullshit and say, you know, they played at their best and they played at the standard they played the other night. No. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. There's still, the, you know, still those teams. You know, Nathan Cleary's still on the field. Reese Walsh is still on the field. Um, we're, we're not there yet, you know. The way those teams played the other night, they both were smashed. I'm not saying that. Hmm. But we're not far away. You know, if we continue to build, we can be right there near that level of this time next year. Mate, I um, yeah, I absolutely agree, and I, and I think I finished this um, this one and the one we and how we finished part one is that um, I think my takeaway from Sunday night is that we witnessed greatness, and um, I think about how close we could have been this year in like you said within the season, not saying oh we could have won on Sunday, but when you think about those games we had during the season, it, yeah, I don't think we are that far off uh, either. Mate, can I can I just can I also just say, yeah, Cal, what we've seen for the last ten weeks is what California's going to produce all the next year. Completely agree. Bank it, um, bookmark it. Uh, come back and find us in twelve months' time. Yeah. Hey, everybody! Um, it's been a wild ride. It's been a great season. We, we've still got one more uh, recording to do. Um, we'll see how we're feeling in the next couple of weeks, just to uh, just to wrap up the season and, uh, and our own um, our own sort of takes on uh, on on various awards or not not whatnot. But hey, thanks for listening all the way to the end. Uh, I'm, you know, here's to. Uh, uh, congratulations to Penrith on three-peating, uh, but for us, more importantly, congratulations to the Newcastle Knights. We are back-to-back premiers, uh, and we look forward to 2024 to uh, hopefully go for a three-peat of our own. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Thanks, guys. Sports Best Friends would like to thank you for listening right to the end. You are our kind of people. Find other great sports podcasts in our family by subscribing. And remember, social media isn't a bad place. You just need to follow the right people.